Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, you are listening to another episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, where we are reviewing Black Widow. Of course, all the latest movie and trailer news as well. So let's get into it, Lee. I'm Tim Ifland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies, apparently for six seasons. Six whole seasons, Tim. Two and a bit years? Two and a bit years, around around that time, yeah. Look, I don't know. I feel like it's meant to be. We're returning with the first episode of season six with the return of the MCU after so long with Black Widow kicking Mm. off phase four. So I cannot wait to dive into this movie with you, Lee. We should probably mention as well that we're in lockdown in Sydney, so it's a a challenging start to season six, isn't it? It is, it is, but we're doing things a little bit different. I've got like a ring light set up going on. (laughs) I've got Lee like beautifully lit up in in this halo in front of me. So we're trying to make it feel like we're in the room together, in the room where it happens, as is said in Hamilton. (laughs) All right, Tim, let's jump into Black Widow. Natasha Romanoff finally finally gets her swan song in Black Widow. The spy thriller is the first film in Marvel's Phase 4 and depicts what happens to Natasha in the period between Civil War and Infinity War when she confronts the darker parts of her mysterious past. Now, the film is directed by Australian Kate Shortland, who has previously directed a film called Berlin Syndrome. It's from a screenplay by Eric Pearson and a story by Jack Schaefer, who wrote One Division, as well as Ned Benson. The movie, of course, stars Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, with Florence Pugh, Rachel Weisz, David Harbour and Ray Winston joining her on this adventure. Mm, love this cast. So, so good. Oh, yeah. Now, Lee... How did you feel about that Marvel Studios opening happening uh, when you hit play on Disney Plus? I always get emotional when the Marvel 
you know, credits start rolling. I get so emotional. I just love it. The film picks up obviously when Natasha is in hiding and the Avengers have split for that little bit of background. Mm. So it's a nice little insight into what she was doing during this time because there was a question hanging over that. What I really like straight off the bat is that Marvel is continuing to change things up stylistically here. Natasha's story Mm. and her past is so dark, isn't it? And what has been done to her and the things that she's done to other people. So it needed a grittier style than we've seen previously. Do you think that was effective? Oh, very, very effective. I love that the the tone in the genre that it was playing in, like a spy espionage film, mm. kind of a la James Bond, wouldn't you think? But with some kick-ass women to boot. Yeah, definitely. A real spy thriller. And Natasha has always been a mystery in the films, hasn't she? But they've mm. they've always alluded to this rich um, backstory that she has. Mm. And I think that's given us an advantage as an audience of seeing a complete story come to life that we know almost nothing about. That's great. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that one. It digs so deep into her past, like you said, like for the first time. Mm. I think Natasha, the character of Black Widow, has been in the MCU like six previous times. And across that franchise, yeah, they've only scratched the surface in understanding who she is and where she came from, like mm. the Red Room and Budapest and all these things that are always referenced throughout the MCU. And I guess that's in keeping with her story. She's very mysterious and held back, mm. right? But here you finally kind of lift the lid on who Mm. Natasha Romanoff is. And the movie unfolded in a really organic way, didn't it? It doesn't hit you over the head with the details, or at least I thought it didn't. How did you feel Mm. about that? Mm. No, I liked its opening. It kind of added a little bit of, um, you know, intrigue and mystery. We Mm. open up in Ohio in 1995 and you kind of get a flavour of her like suburban life with her family and that introduces you to a, a, a list of characters that, you know, return later on in the film. I thought that was a really nice way to Mm. open up the movie and got you thinking about where this is going. I mean, as this series goes on and the franchise keeps expanding, the questions that need answering and the holes to plug are just becoming exponential, aren't they? So it's getting tougher and tougher to really weave in these stories. But I think Black Widow did a great job of answering those questions without retconning. You know, it fit. It Mm. felt natural to me. Yeah. I was going to ask you three questions just yeah. to lead on from that. Do you think it works as the first film to kick off phase four of the MCU? Do you think it works in that context? Oh, that's a good question. Um, mm. I mean, it's not setting anything up. It's not adding mm. anything to the ongoing storyline, I guess. Yeah. It's yeah. just a nice little wrap up, isn't it, for Natasha? I mean, it does kind of set up something very, very oh. subtle. Yeah. Which, you know, this is a spoiler-free review, guys, so we'll leave that up to you to enjoy and yeah. take in. And, of course, it's in a post credit scene, isn't it? Of course. It, yeah. it, it goes with the territory of an MCU film. You're right. Okay, so to lead on to that, do you think it delivers as a valuable piece to the wider Marvel story then? So it's it kind of like just slotted in. Uh, but do you think you, it, it delivered? Yes, definitely. I think it's valuable. Mm, yeah. I think people have been waiting for this story for a long time and I think mm. they delivered on giving a really satisfying look into who Natasha is. Yeah. I guess you answered my third question to mm. you is, do you think it does justice to Natasha Romanoff's character finally? Yeah, yeah. completely. Yeah. I completely think it does. I mean, as an audience, our investment is in Natasha and finding out mm. her story in this film. It's not in her battle against this villain or setting up more of the MCU. And I think it really mm. works in that purpose. 
but it did mean that we didn't get a fully formed bad guy or much of an emotional growth for her character. Does that bother you? Mm. Do you think that matters? To be honest, I think it does matter. Look, a lot of films have trouble in nailing the villain. It's always the thing that kind of falls to the wayside sometimes and Mm. potentially that happened in this movie. You kind of had Ray Winston as a villain and then also Taskmaster. Mm. And so do you feel that they weren't fully developed or understood as much because there was too much else going on? We needed to really dig deep into Natasha and her old family life and who she was. Yeah. I mean – who was this guy? What's he been doing? Where's he been? Mm. Is his story going to appear again in the MCU somewhere in the future? These mm. kind of things I thought, well, if it's just a standalone movie, which it seems like it is, yeah. it doesn't really give you that depth of character. Yeah. I think that also brings me to say that at times the story was a little heavy and convoluted and I feel like maybe a second viewing might help make sense of a few things and maybe part of that is understanding the villains a little bit more, just kind Mm. of like what's their purpose in this story, be it that it carries on to future films or not. It can just live within this little echo chamber of Black Widow, standalone spy espionage thriller. And see, I bounced back and forward about whether it mattered or not because, as I said, Mm. the investment is in Natasha. People are coming to see this movie for Natasha to find out her story, find out what she's been doing during that period and hit two birds with one stone and also get, her past. Yeah, yeah. So I think it did a good job of that in mm. itself. One thing I really want to call out that I loved about this film was the colour palette, the production design, mm. especially in mm. the climax. It really leans into that dominating red for the communist world she came from and her character's signature colour. It was beautiful, stunning. I loved it. Oh, the red. I'm so glad you called that out. It was such a big character and, dare I say, a red thread throughout the film. <laughs> um yeah, it was just stunning and it certainly imposed that sense of danger. But yes, her connection to like communist Russia, it was just a really nice addition to the film. For It's like aesthetic, which is mm. all holy shit, just a stunning movie to look at, right? Oh yeah, beautiful. Kate Shortland did an amazing job, the director. And you know, she's Aussie. Yeah, go Aussies. Yeah, <laughs> Aussie representation. <laughs> God, she really was able to tap into that drama, that family drama mm. aspect as much as the action and effects and all that sort of thing you come to know and love. And I think one thing that, that shone through for her as a director was playing into that MCU humour. Yep. And I think the whole um, family, dysfunctional family was like ripe territory for that sort of yeah. MCU humour to, to play in, right? Yeah. Speaking of the family, I love Florence Pugh. Can I just say that? I just love yes. everything she does. Fighting with my family, Midsummer, Little Women. <laughs> She's just going from strength to strength. And as we've seen in this film, will continue to do so. It's bloody amazing. I'm so excited to see her in like a blockbuster tentpole movie like this. Yeah. Because we've seen her play dramatic roles like you've just listed, but she brings such a unique perspective and so much, uh, what would you call it, charisma to the role. Mm. Like she's just, you can't look away. And her and Scarlett working together, Yeah, it's just such a shame that we won't get that again because obviously the fate of Black Widow's character in Endgame Mm. was that she died. So, but heck, they ticked all the boxes yeah. for that kind of sister dynamic oh, in yeah. this movie. In terms of chemistry, I felt and believed the sisterly bond between the two of them. It was fantastic. Let's talk about David Harbour as Red Guardian, mm. going back to the humour. He is the Russian counterpart to Captain America and he's basically the comic relief in this film, but he's also the emotional anchor. Did you notice that? Mm. 
he could do both. He he flipped from both quite easily, and I was really impressed with that. Yeah, one one moment he was like, you know, trying to live in the past, the glory days mm. of him as like the Russian Captain America, and then on the other foot he was just one big dad joke. Yeah, and then <laughs> on another foot he was yeah this emotional anchor in this kind of what is his role as the father figure to Florence Pugh and Scarlett Johansson's character and yeah. what does that mean to him and to them? Uh, and there's some really great, like, territory in mm. there that was explored. It was, yeah, he had a lot of fun in that role, I think. Oh, you can tell it was coming through on the screen for sure. Can I also call mm. out the performance of young Natasha, who was Eva Anderson, um, and we'll be seeing her in the upcoming Peter Pan and Wendy film. But she is also Mila Jovovich's daughter. Yeah, she is, yeah. You can yeah. see that on the face. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Cut from the same cloth. Yeah. I was really impressed by her performance. What did you think? Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. She has an incredible emotional range. You know, she had to get quite angry quite fast. Mm. Her physicality was great. Obviously, her mother, Miller, is an incredibly iconic action star. So, mm. you know, it's part of who she is, I suppose, yeah. in her DNA. But she made a big impact in a very short period of time. And also taking on a character that's so recognisable. We know so much about Natasha. We've formed these opinions about her in our head over the last decade. And to take that on as a child and show where she's come from, she did a great job. You know, one of the little touches that I liked was that her as a child had a, a different hairstyle. Mm. So like every every time Black Widow shows up in an MCU movie, she has a new hairstyle, yeah. be it a blonde bob or, a, mm. or you know, curly red hair and then her as a child she had like this blue or purple streaks mm. through her hair and I thought that was a nice little nod to the fact that ever since she was a child she's always wanted to mix up her hairstyle mm. I thought that was a really nice addition to the character and there's a few more nice threads that have been pulled from future MCU films um, well future for this film but past but what we've seen and these threads are running through the movie and it was wonderful to see that um, like the vest being pulled from Infinity War the vest that she wears in Infinity War. It was like, oh, that's how you got the vest. That's cool. All these nice little touches. Yeah, that was a really nice touch. And it came from a place of incredible, I don't know, clarity or closure for Natasha's character mm. in, you know, reconnecting with her family and her sister. And then, you know, she carries that literal vest. She carries her sister through like this huge Infinity War saga. Yeah. And I just loved that. So, yeah, nice one to call that out. It was just, yeah, I love that thought behind it. Let's talk about the action and special effects. We can't talk about an MCU film without talking about that. Mm. I really love the stunt choreography in this film. I've always liked Natasha's fighting style and it's grounded in her training and abilities and physicality. It just feels right for her as a character. What did you think? Oh, yeah, the hand-to-hand -hand combat was epic mm. in this movie and Natasha's always been really really badass but this kind of was like turned up a notch and a half yeah you know they, they never held back on kicking the shit out of the stunt team and there were several times where I like gasped because I was shocked at what they were putting their bodies through but heck there was so much commitment to getting mm. those shots and it was just amazing it didn't feel as big budget as other Marvel films there's a lot more in-camera effect work than CGI, but it certainly didn't feel cheap. Oh, no, certainly didn't feel cheap. I think the third act, you kind of got more of that MCU effects heavy set piece and everything. Mm -hmm. But then certainly, yeah, the front half was much more in-camera. But 
I feel like that works for the sort of tone that this movie was going for, yeah. especially with all the car and bike chases in the streets and, and mm. the fights in the safe house and stuff. Like you had to do that in camera for it to work and feel authentic. Yeah, I completely agree. Speaking of the streets and all that kind of jazz, let's talk about the locations. Oh, my gosh. Can we list them off? Ohio, Cuba, Budapest, Morocco, Norway. Yeah. Like, holy heck, what a great palette, visual palette for this movie. I have to say I got so excited when I saw Norway. I instantly recognised where Natasha was hiding out. And, you know, I, I should explain for our listeners that my husband is from Norway, so I'm very familiar with the country. And, yeah, as soon as we saw it, we were like, yay, Norway. That would have felt really good. It was. It's beautiful, beautiful country and stunning on film. Yeah, beautiful. There were 64 set pieces built for this film, which is an extraordinary achievement and they clearly spared no expense in that space about those tangible set pieces for the actors to live and breathe in. 64, Lee, it's extraordinary. Oh, Tim. (laughs) Let's say it again, 64. (laughs) It was just stunning in its execution for sure. And I think that with the, the genre of its spy espionage, that's what James Bond does. Yeah. He travels all around the world and I think they were like, well, Black Widow can do that too. And so her and the team, you know, went everywhere and it was just great to see and sink your teeth into that sort of um, like story mechanic. Well, you know, speaking of James Bond, what's Scarlett Johansson doing next? Female James Bond? Oh, yeah, let's let's campaign it now. Let's start the campaign. <laughs> it's real. Let's gain momentum. <laughs> are we ready to wrap up Black Widow, Tim? We absolutely are. I mean, we could talk about this film for days, but it's hard to do without spoiling it. So we'll leave you with this taster and you can come and jump on socials and tell us what you think about it. Oh, please. We really want to hear what you have to say. Well, in me wrapping it up, Black Widow nails it as a spy espionage thriller and psychological family drama spectacular. Scarlett and Florence are perfection and can kick my ass any day of the week. (laughs) But despite the amount of fun I had, I couldn't get past the baggage that came with it. Where was this film in phase three? I'm just going to say that out loud. However, having said that, it didn't feel tacked on to me and positions itself with great conviction within the context and timeline of the MCU. Black Widow finally got what she deserved and her legacy is now complete. I'm going to rate Black Widow four popcorn kernels. Ooh, you make me want to change my rating now. I really struggled with this one because I loved it so much. What makes Marvel movies so great is the level of care and detail that goes into building this world. No detail is too small, even right down to a simple vest. The characters weren't as richly fleshed out as I would have hoped for, but we're here for Natasha, for her to have her big moment, one that she and we have been waiting a decade for. Black Widow was a satisfying dive into an unknown place in time that also gave us insight into her backstory. And I was just over the moon, Tim, to finally be able to see it. I'm giving Black Widow three and a half popcorn kernels. Well, there you go, guys. Black Widow is in cinemas right now, as well as on Disney Plus with Premiere Access. Make sure you check it out. All right, Lee, I think it's about time we jump into our movie and trailer news section and we're going to kick it off with Quentin Tarantino. Now, he recently sat down with Bill Mayer where he reconfirmed that his next film will be his last. Now, what did Tarantino say about that? Well, we've heard this before, haven't we, Tim? Let's be honest. Mm. 
take it with a grain of salt, but Tarantino said that working for 30 years, doing as many movies as I've done is not as many as other people, but that's a really long career and I've given it everything I have because I know film history and from here on end, directors do not get better. Yeah, is that a little stab? At least he's going out on a high. He might have a point. Now, you said to take that with a grain of salt. He's always said 10 and I'm done. Yep. And it's just really upsetting because he is still such an incredible filmmaker. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was one of his best. Mm -hmm. And to think he's only got one left in the tank, there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Well, maybe that's why he's feeling it. Yeah, true. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now, it wouldn't be an MCU episode without some Kevin Feige news. What has Mm -hmm. he confirmed this week, Lee? He has confirmed that it is the abomination fighting Wong in Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings in the trailer that recently dropped. Abomination hasn't been seen in the MCU since 2008's The Incredible Hulk when Edward Norton played Banner, which, as we know, you know, retconning is not part of this incarnation of the MCU, is it? There's no word on whether Tim Roth is reprising his role as the Hulk nemesis in this film. Mm, Yeah, the internet was blowing up about, is that Abomination, is that Wong? And he comes out and says, yes, it is. And it's just kind of, yeah, puts your hands together going, ooh, how are they going to reintroduce this villain and, and mm. what do we have in store? So it's pretty exciting stuff. Speaking of exciting stuff, Vanessa Kirby has joined the cast of Florian Zeller's The Sun alongside Hugh Jackman and Laura Dern. This casting news adds yet another brilliant layer to Zeller's follow-up to his Oscar-winning film, The Father. I love how this cast is rounding out. Mm, I'm so excited. And after we spoke with Florian Zeller, you can check out that episode in our back catalogue, I just, I'm so excited for his body of work to evolve as a director. I can't wait to see it. Australian film Nitrum, or or is it Nitrum? I'm not sure, actually. I've been saying Nitrum. Okay, we'll say Nitrum for the purpose of this piece of news. <laughs> so, Nitrum has become the first Aussie film in a decade to compete at the Cannes Film Festival for the Palme d'Or. The movie is directed by Justin Curzel, who recently directed The History of the Kelly Gang and examines the events leading up to and surrounding the Port Arthur massacre in the mid-90s. Right. Now, what's interesting is that Nitrum or Nitrum, however you want to say it, is Martin spelled backwards for Martin Bryant, who killed 35 people and wounded 23 others on his killing spree in Tasmania. Currently, Bryant is serving 35 consecutive life sentences with no chance of parole. This is a really interesting project. How do you think people are going to react to this? It's going to be mixed feelings for sure. I mean, this happened in the mid-90s, as we said. I think it was 1995. 96, something like that. Somewhere around then, yeah. It's still really fresh in Australians' minds. It's one of the most devastating tragedies or massacres in Australian Mm. history. So it's a tough one to tackle for sure, but I wouldn't trust anyone but Justin Kurzel with a topic like this. Yeah, I agree. Well, we'll see how it performs at in Khan, right? Because the reception for that will certainly follow its, you know, mm. international release and hopefully it's a good one. And how exciting that it's the first Aussie film in a decade to be competing for the Palme d'Or. Yeah, do you th- is that that's a long time. I know. There's been a great Australian films in the last 10 years. I find that really surprising, but heck, it's awesome. Yeah. Great achievement nonetheless. Recently, we got a new The Many Saints of Newark trailer. This film serves as a sequel to the iconic HBO series The Sopranos and takes a look at the formative years of New Jersey gangster Tony Soprano. It's quite exciting this film project, isn't it? 
Mm, it really is. And I think it's something fans have been wanting for a long mm. time. Did you ever watch The Sopranos? Because I, I haven't seen the series. Not all the way through, but it is one of the most successful television series in history, really. It's amazing. And what's interesting is in this film, James Gandolfini's son is playing his character. Oh, for real? I didn't know that. No, yeah. Oh, that is good. No wonder he looks so much yeah. like him. It makes sense now. <laughs> it does. I thought that is amazing, you know, makeup. Yeah. But hey, it's just genetics. Yeah. I like that twist though. I like that meta twist. Now, our first trailer for Don't Breathe 2 crept up on us this week, Lee. It's the sequel that's set in the years following the initial deadly home invasion where Norman Nordstrom, uh, played by Stephen Lang, lives in quiet solace until his past sins catch up with him. Mm. Ooh, I'm just a bit scared again. We're getting into that season in the second half of the year where all the horror and thriller films start to come out as we lead up to Halloween. It's all God. I just, I, don't, I think might pass on that one. <laughs> Now, Hugh Jackman this week. What is Hugh Jackman? He's he's toying with my emotions. He's teased a return to Wolverine by posting cryptic fan art on his Instagram page and an old picture with Marvel boss Kevin Feige. What does it mean, Tim? It's all just too much for me, to be honest. I just don't appreciate the tease. <laughs> it's mean. Hugh Jackman is the nicest guy in entertainment. What is he doing to us? Please, we need an official statement, Hugh. No, I wonder what he's doing here because I respect that he bowed out after Logan, which was just an incredible film and mm. performance, you know, and, and final chapter in his take on Logan. How would you feel if he did return? I would love it. Gosh, I would love it. I mean, there's only a limited amount of time that he can play this character and there has been talk about who would take it over within the MCU when Disney took over Fox and all these intellectual properties came together. Obviously, they had to revive Wolverine in some way, but it just it never sat right with me. This character is so iconic and so entwined with Hugh Jackman. It's I just I want to see him again, but also it was a nice place to leave it in Logan. I loved Logan. Did you love that movie? I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I still think he was robbed of an Oscar for that film, to be honest. Bit of change in pace here with some movie musical news. Guys and Dolls, there's going to be a remake directed by Bill Condon. Now, Marlon Brando, Gene Simmons, Frank Sinatra and Vivian Blaine starred in the film adaptation of the film directed by Joseph L. Mankiewicz. Uh, and it was nominated for four Oscars. Mm. So it has a lot to live up to. Do you notice how the cinemascape kind of moves in waves? So now that we've had In the Heights and Cats and stuff, it's starting to build momentum. We're going to get Guys and Dolls. We're going to get West Side Story. We're going to get Wicked. I'm here for this. I love a musical movie. I love that you put Cats right next to In the Heights. Well, I okay. thought I would hear that. <laughs> no, but Cats kind of kicked off this wave, I think. And there's always a film that kicks it off. Then we wait a while. Then we see a few more. And then all of a sudden there's this whole wave of films in the same genre. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's time for movie musicals to have its moment in the spotlight. But then what inevitably happens is they pound us with all these different movies and we get fatigue mm. and then we get over it and it goes to a different cycle. So... Yeah, and they're not all very good and so it's not just like you're not ticking all these amazing boxes. It's kind of all scrap that one like cats and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, it can get a bit saturated. Hopefully Guys and Dolls doesn't fall into the cats basket. No. <laughs> and more in the In the Heights basket. We'll wait and see. 
Speaking of musicals, Tim, is there anything Lin-Manuel Miranda cannot do? Disney shared the teaser trailer for Encanto this week with new music from Miranda. It follows a young Colombian girl who has to face the frustration of being the only member of her family without magical powers. This teaser trailer that we got this week was gorgeous. Another colourful, fun musical film. I can't wait to see it. Beautiful. Absolutely striking. The trailer was just stunning and that the movie poster as well. Yeah. I just can't stop staring at it. Yeah. There's so many layers to yeah. it. And so catchy. Like that teaser trailer gave us almost nothing, but it was so catchy. I was tapping my toes. I was bopping in my seat. Oh, bring it on. I mean, unmistakably Miranda's like touch, right? Yeah. His, his musical genius. So I can't wait to see this come together. It just looks beautiful. On that wonderful note, Tim, I think it's time to end the first episode of Season 6 of Popcorn Podcast. We did it. We are so grateful that you jumped back on this bandwagon with us. We have a jam-packed Season 6 in the works. We've got so much awesome stuff coming, don't we, Leah, over the next couple of weeks at least. The second half of the year especially is stacked, guys. Get your butts to the cinema. Movies are back baby. Well, we reviewed Black Widow, which is in cinemas right now, as well as on Disney Plus with premiere access and a pre-existing subscription to the service. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. If you enjoy our episodes, head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. While you're there, we would love you to rate us and leave a review. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Alexa, and where all good podcasts are found. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.